We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Wednesday afternoon. It's February 14th, and I know we still have one more game uh, before the All Star break, but I kind of want to take this episode to focus on this stretch leading into the break. Uh, the Wolves are eight and three since that disaster loss against Charlotte that was three weeks ago, and just kind of looking up some of the stuff over these last two weeks. Statistically, they're playing some of their best basketball of the season, sort of regathering some of those elements that slipped away a little bit um, when, when Christmas came and the when the Wolves kind of hit their full first lull of the season. It seems like they're regathering uh, a lot of that. I have Britt Robson from MinPost here with me to get into these last five, seven games, whatever we want to call it. Britt, how would you rank this stretch or compare it against any other similar size stretch of the season, or I guess in other words, how close is this to the Wolves playing their best basketball of the season? Um, I, I'm regarding it less in terms of better or worse than any other points of the season and more um, reassurance and rehabilitation. That I mean, it exists, I, that they can kind of click that back in a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I've said this on the pod before that I lost a lot of faith in the in the resilience that the you know the core character of this team after the Charlotte loss, I thought was just terrible. And then they you know they dropped a couple of others that were kind of classic. And to be honest with you, last night set itself up to be exactly. I mean, the template was there. Anybody who didn't think San Antonio when they were doing that, uh, you know, coming into that fourth quarter after the Blazers had turned the third quarter into their favor rather than what happened against the Bucks and the Clips. So this team was ripe for another collapse. I mean, they, they were playing in that kind of don't-make-a-mistake fashion. And then, you know, they, they, their, their sixth man or seventh man, whoever you want to rate Naw, stepped up. Had like three or four, totally. you know, uh, trays. And before, the offense was pretty much ant and a prayer. And... Um, that really loosened. You could just tell everybody, everybody relaxed. Everybody began to move the ball again. Um, just getting that like three possession separation right. uh, 
you know, in the fourth quarter, suddenly, you know, it, it was extremely important in a micro way. In a macro way, I think what it shows is that uh, this team has more fiber to it than a lot of the other teams we've seen. Um, obviously, the standard is still going to remain 0304 because those that team had success in the playoffs, the only one. But what I've decided, I mean, because I was calling this a trap game, like as soon as the clips were done, I thought, you know, <laughs> Solid. They, they're going to they're gonna lose this game to Portland because they just, Portland was, couldn't be worse the last time they played. They just got through wiping out two teams that are conference finalists in most people's books. And uh, it was just set up is that way and it began to unfold that way the fact that it didn't happen that way has made me realize uh and i'm going to write about this uh for a column later this week it's just time to appreciate what's going on i mean right now i will tell you that uh they have not lost more than two games in a row and we are two-thirds of the way through the season so there really isn't a lot to bitch about at the end of the day, if you haven't lost three in a row in in three months, mm -hmm. uh, then I would say that your team is pretty resilient. And there's a lot of ghosts of collapses past as recently as last season. And there is a lot of youth that you wonder about, you know, Cat and Ant specifically, even though Cat, he plays young sometimes. And so there's just a lot of noise in the system that is in some ways logical to listen to. But what's the point? I mean, what is the point of nitpicking this stuff when it doesn't happen? And so I think my, what I got taught last night was that uh, it is easy to over worry and it, is counterproductive. If you really want to look at what's going on with this team, look at it fresh as much as you can every game. And what we're seeing is the old-fashioned fall 2023 Wolves in the third and fourth quarters against the Bucks and the Clippers, and then a grinded-out game, kind of similar to what they were doing in mid-December before Christmas when they had a, a slate of teams, or maybe it was like late November. Anyway, they played some teams that uh, weren't very good, and they didn't look great in them, but they ground them out. So what I would say is why not understand that this has been the best defense in the NBA pretty much from the jump and remains so, right. uh, and that their offense is suddenly finding itself at – precisely the right time so it's well just that's why there's not stuff to nitpick right because those were the things right. that we were nitpicking and over the course of you know the first 50 games or whatever were, were worth nitpicking it was right. the offense it was turning it over significantly more than you turned it was the stupidity it yeah, was yeah. literally that their court iq in the mm -hmm. half court offense was just ridiculous and so you know you began to wonder if they're going to be this juvenile in terms of understanding the right way to play and not playing that way, uh, what does that prospect look like down the road? And that's what's been 
rehabilitated and replenished in terms of my faith in them right now. I was uh, looked at cleaning the glass uh, this morning and they always have like kind of the running last two weeks, right? Hmm. Where all the stats, but you know, I looked at just offense, defense. Um, it's always a good way to kind of capture the snapshot of what the team has been most recently. And over these last seven games, which date back to the, the Dallas game, including the Orlando uh, blowing the Orlando game in the fourth quarter and blowing the Chicago game in the fourth quarter, they are in those last two weeks, last seven games, third in offense and and first in defense. And again, the, the defense has been super consistent the, right. the whole season, as you said. But I just was curious. I was like, how have they even been like what, what's been the best two week offensive stretch of the season other than this, just by the numbers? So I was going through it and I just split it up into the first seven games, second seven games, whatever. Uh, down the line and first seven games 16th on offense second seven 11th after that 18th after that 19th after that 19th after that 15th after that 20th and then these last seven games third so there hasn't even been a blip there hasn't been a top 10 offense in the two-week periods until now and all of a sudden they're third against you know now what's weird is that you think the bucks are a good defensive team they're not <laughs> yeah right. you know but uh they have played some against some decent defenses and uh dallas for one actually has a surprisingly good defense lately and so so anyway uh but it really comes down not to who they're playing but how they are playing and yep. we are finally temporarily who knows but as of now, the dribble into three guys uh, is being minimized. And that get off the ball um, has been maximized. I mean, 17 assists and one turnover against two quality teams is what Ann had. That does not happen unless he's making absolutely the right decisions and making them quickly and making crisp plays. And uh, last night was a little bit different. On the other hand, he was hot and he got over 40 points. If you're getting over 40 points, you know, I would still prefer the heavy assist to turnover ratio and getting everybody involved. But that efficient know, 41, like it was, yeah, he was 12 yeah. of 18 from two, four of eight right. from three. It was like, yeah, yeah. that yeah. is the stat line that even if I do see a six yeah. turnovers there, you're like, yeah. okay, you know, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll still take it. Um, Kyle pointed this out last night too. You said Ant 17 to one assist to turnover ratio last two games. Yeah. Kyle Anderson, I think is 14 zero uh, in the last two games. And when we oftentimes lump a lot of the turnover issues on cat and Ant, Kyle right. Anderson is, is probably been the, the third most yes. prolific there too. At least so, in terms of turnover percentage. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I mean, that's, that's what's behind the numbers. And offensively is, is that I, I was looking it up during the game because it was becoming pretty clear that it was going to be a game where the Blazers turned it over uh, more than, than the Wolves did. And I was, I was going through and like, what, how many games have the Wolves turned over their opponent more than they've turned it over? And it was 19. Tw last night would have been 20, which is just kind of crazy. If you think about that, right. this is the number one defensive team in the league and has been the whole year. And they're not a bad turnover team. It's just 
that, 40% of the time, not even half the time. Right. right. It's crazy. And, and that, that imbalance or just getting it back to even, right. Mm -hmm. And just being an average turnover team. That has been the theory the whole time is like, you do that, you become a top 10 offense or in these two weeks, you know, third. And for them to be doing that, plus the offensive rebounding has been up a little bit. And that's another one of those categories where you've looked right. at just broadly for the season where you go, all right, why does the team starting and almost always playing two quote unquote centers, why are they losing the offensive rebound battle? It's as of today, it's equal. They get just right. as many offensive rebounds or they get offensive rebounds at the same frequency as they give up. And that's a product of, again, these last two weeks, balancing that back out. So there were always answers. And the there's offense. another factor. Oh, yeah, give it to me. Uh, if you move the ball two or three passes in a half-court setting, it is impossible that one of those passes doesn't go to somebody behind the three-point line. <laughs> I mean, it has to happen. When was the last time you saw a half-court uh, set or even just ball movement right. and all the passes were inside the arc? That just doesn't happen. No. So what that means is, is that this team is getting looks at three and deciding whether or not they want to take that three and what will often happen if they don't take that three right. is another pass to somebody behind the arc. It's a swing-swing situation. And that is one of the main reasons, in addition to Cat shooting early in the clock on threes, which I heartily endorse, um, that they are getting more threes. They've always been a good three-point shooting team this year. They just haven't yeah. taken them. And so if you move the ball... Almost by definition, you are going to take more threes because you're going to have the ball land in the hands of somebody who's wide open behind the arc. And they're going to start making them because the shots are open. And when they start making them, they're going to start taking them more. Tell me, no, nah, wasn't just ready to keep getting the ball after he hit a couple, you know? I mean, and so the team was shooting very close to 40% from three while their defense, I mean, offense was uh, near a bottom 10. It made no sense except for the fact that you looked at all the times somebody was 16 feet away from the basket and turned the ball over trying to get eight feet away from the basket. Yeah, That's that stupidity that just made me, made this offense unlikable for, for, you know, 30, 40 games. The the nice part of it too, of the, because this Rudy's been for a kind of a month, he's been being like, we need to shoot more threes. We need yeah, to shoot more yeah. threes. And more people are kind of echoing that in, in their media too. The, sorry. The nice part is they are so low volume that like, or have been so low volume right. with three pointers that you could like dial it up pretty aggressively. And it still wouldn't feel like that uncomfortable forcing of yeah. three point volume. Right. You know, like obviously we think about like the rockets from eight years ago or whatever, or even kind of Boston last season, but you know it was what? almost frustrating. Like this, this feels like they could turn it up and be at a, a comfortable level of not giving up stuff from two point range too. And not only that, but Finch, the way Finch devises offense, it doesn't look like there's more threes than there actually are. Two years ago, three years ago, the Wolves led yeah. the NBA in three point attempts. Did it feel that way to you? It didn't feel that way to me. Mm -hmm. No, I get you. Cause it, that's, when they come because it's flow. a ball movement yeah. thing. It yeah. isn't like, you know, guys coming down. It isn't like uh, some guys, you know, driving into a, a wide open lane and suddenly shooting the ball over the corner, you know? I mean, uh, 
it can be a beautiful game with getting a lot of threes as long as it's not all James Harden trying to, you know, gull you into fouling at the three-point line or, or, you know, having four guys who are always never straying inside. I mean, yeah, Cat shoots a lot of threes. Ant shoots a lot of threes. Mike Conley shoots a lot of threes. None of them live on the arc. No. And that's the difference. Yeah, they don't have any guy that's three like, point special. I don't know. I, guys I always, who have I like ninety percent of their shots. Ninety yeah. percent of their shots are threes. They yeah. don't have any of those guys, and yeah. that's good. Mm-hmm. It, and, and yeah, it, it can be. I mean, you could you could make an argument. I certainly was around the trade deadline of like maybe they could use one of those because you were looking for like a medication to right. take care exactly. of this problem exactly. that was just like it it needs to be more of that. So yeah, I I think that that is what's behind it. It's the turnovers, it's, it's what we always knew it would be. Turnovers down, offensive rebounds up, shot selection improving, boom, better offense. As always, as they would say, can we sustain it? And and that's that's the that's the question here. Uh, I want to, because we haven't talked since the, the Clippers game, I, I want to get into that. But first, let's grab a, a break. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Falling Knife Brewing Company. And Britt and I are doing a live show at, at Falling Knife on, on February 22nd. Um, that is the day right before uh, the post All Star or after the All Star break ends. I guess the last day of the All Star break, um, 6 p.m. at Falling Knife in Northeast Minneapolis. We'll kind of do a happy hour and uh, then do a live show from seven to eight o'clock and hang out a little bit afterwards. Those are those are always uh, really fun. We're starting to kind of try and schedule some more of these, uh, particularly around the playoffs, maybe on off nights and stuff. This is. Like you were just saying, Britt, like this is a unique year. There, There is something special about it, obviously. And it struck me last night um, when, when I was recording with Kyle and he's just like, this is almost over. Like the, 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 like the season is weird, you know, like not not in, the, not in like a bad way, but he's like, this, right. we're like well past, like we're 54 games in. Two thirds right? of the it, way, right. This is, this is not, you know, and. As you know, look at the Blazers last night, right? Like, right, right, right. Uh, it, it things can switch fast in the NBA where you go from being a team at one stage and, and turn into another. The Wolves are here now. We talk about the the contracts and everything coming. Um, it is a good point by both of you to like embrace this and and enjoy this and and a fun way I think for us to do that or a good reminder for me is to do that with with other people who are kind of living this day-to-day as fans watching the games, dedicating their time to go to Target Center, listen to the show, uh, watch the game. So we're looking forward to doing that on uh, on February 22nd on Falling Knife Brewing Company. The, the cliche is misery loves company. But <laughs> you know what? Joy loves company too. Yes. yes. You know? I mean, when you're joyful, when you're seeing your team, you know, go off, when you're seeing uh, halftime end, and all of right. a sudden, you know, I mean, and it took the fourth quarter, you know, uh, the the other night. But closing games, when you when you see a team that first of all could get stops against all manner of personnel, if you want an ISO heavy team, if you want a big team, you want a small team, you want a Sacramento or New Orleans or whatever, two of the tougher matchups, they have beaten both of those teams, and right. so. Uh, it is a time for joy, and 
experience of joy with people who are being joyful about the same thing you are instead of like you know you just broke up with your girlfriend i want to talk with somebody else who's broken up with their girlfriend (laughs) that's misery loves company that's fine (laughs) but joy is actually a better way to love company the the to go on that theme like the most the most fun games right this season are the ones you kind of eagerly look ahead to are the ones against the teams who are also in contention. And obviously the Blazers last night weren't that, but with the Clippers and to a lesser extent, the Bucks, because Lillard didn't play and they're just a little dysfunctional right now. Um, those are, those are the games that, that you get excited to sort of stress test this, this Wolves team against. And I mean, there, there are arguments to be made about, you know, the, the Wolves and they haven't been resting players. They haven't like, they've been doing a lot of the things that, can make you a one seed without totally being it. Does that make, I mean, Utah kind of did that for a long time, but I'm not saying that's what this team is. Right. Because they have gone and beat Oklahoma city three weeks ago in Oklahoma city. They beat the Clippers on, on Monday night. They beat the Bucks. They, they had two overtime games against the best team in basketball. Yep. The Celtics, right. They they beat the Celtics at home and lost to the Celtics on the road. Both of those games went to overtime Mm -hmm. and they flew to Boston the day of the game when they lost in the overtime game. So, I mean, you pick an opponent and, and, you know, we can break it down. I mean, New Orleans, certainly the two games with, without Zion versus the two games with Zion, that is an opponent that would be a fearsome opponent. And Phoenix, the only time they played them, Phoenix blew them out. Of course, that was a risk disadvantage game you know, par excellence, I thought. But at the end of the day, you do have a team that has an identity. It's an identity that was stated a year and a half, two years ago, and looked awful to the point where I was ready to dump it. But that identity that was stated... I think we we got past ready. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like... Right. I, I just think back to Denver. Like, I, I ask myself that sometimes of like, did I give up on this? You know, last year I right. did. I really yeah. did in, in yeah. Denver, right. Denver, Denver did. And so, so like, that is just for me or for us is, is the, the proper context to be like this, this is, they are really doing something um, that I didn't believe was, was possible for this team. We both said 48 wins, five seed in the West. And if I'm being totally honest, I, sometimes kind of juice those projections by a win or two at the beginning of the season to like uh-huh. sound more. I, I did, I did not think this team had this, what we're talking about, this ability right. to turn it up and maintain their identity, particularly uh, against good teams and credit to them. They have. Right. And now that's probably a good segue into the clips, right? Yeah. 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 Let's, let's talk, let's talk about that Clippers game. I mean, uh, I guess that was only 48 hours ago. It feels like a lot with the travel, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, also, to, to be transparent, I thought that was one of the teams when, you know. we've Absolutely. The, the I still, I mean, I was, I, I was talking to my friend Bob Hummel, who's a huge Clippers fan, uh, and I said, the Clippers are my pick to win it all. I mean, I said that two days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think that they are a remarkable team that will be better in the playoffs if everybody is healthy. Um, And I think that they are still fearsome. I do think that the ease with which the Wolves have dispatched them most of the two games that they've played um, has 
really punctured my original assessment of that matchup. Um, and I think the difference there, quite frankly, is that Ant and Gobert are ready for those games. Mm. And if they're both ready for those games, they put a little extra into it. I mean, the enmity that is occurring between Gobert and Westbrook, I think, helps. I think that, you know, uh, it's always great when if two people dislike each other, you have the better player. <laughs> you know? Because, you know, it, 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 it makes it so when there's a little bit of an edge, all right, give me the guy who's really, really good who has the edge, right. you know. And I Rather think than the Ant, player who could just tunnel his team into yeah. a hole. Yeah. And Ant's, and as we keep saying, is 22. What we kind of forget is that when uh, Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, and Kawhi were in their primes, he was in junior high, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so of course he wants to go against these guys. Of course yeah. he wants to, you know, I love it. It's an ISO game. I mean, you know. Ant always likes challenges to have guys you grew up watching on TV all together on the court, practically together against you and whoever else. I mean, right. that's, that's, Ant's, you know, that's a wet dream for it. <laughs> um, with the, with the Clippers, you just talking to a couple people yesterday about that. Cause I was like, I don't know, man, they pretty well handled the Clippers twice now and, and games that the Paul George Harden, and Kawhi did play in. I mean, I guess the first game they didn't have Zubats. Right. That's I it's not like they've played the Clippers fractured in the way that they have the Pelicans or some other some other t- good teams around the league and I was just talking to some people yesterday they're, they're like, "Yeah, well, Ty Lue, you know, he's going to he didn't show some things in this. He's going to have things that for the playoffs that he can take away from the Wolves so that he can expose them there." And I yeah, mean, as if Ty Lue has done that so far in their great playoff runs in the last five years. He is a good, he is a good playoff coach. He is a fine playoff team. I, and, and I'm not agreeing with this because no, I don't, no. I, I don't, I mean, and, and maybe it's like really, but that, you know, that, that's throwing shit out of your ass, man. I mean, come on. Well, that, that's what I'm, that's, that's Ty Lue is like, you know, Ty Lue is basically storing his powder because, you know, he knows he's going to be facing the Wolves in the Western Conference Finals and wants to save this stuff. Come on. Yeah, you know? no, I, I mean, it, well, that, that's what I kind of said is I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what are the, what are the palpable things here? And the, and the one that, you know, the, the main one we can talk about is, just going small against them. Maybe they don't even start a center against the Wolves, and that's just in a playoff series. It's seven games of, you know, basically Kawhi at the five or whatever, and um, you you try and puncture the Wolves that way. Though we've seen the Wolves a lot against teams that have gone small this season, and we saw it two years or last season, and it was an issue. There's been ample scenarios in which teams have tried to have that counter against and the Clippers have tried it and exactly and and it's it would it would have absolutely worked a thousand percent in a playoff series against the Wolves last season I believe that being going small would have broke them there you you can't firmly make that argument this season at all particularly if you're watching the ways in which Kat and Rudy are guarding when they do 
are asked to be more perimeter oriented or Chase is small. And it's 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 harder for Cat than it is for Rudy because Carl's more of an offensive player than he is a defensive player. Like, yeah, is that maybe the weak point in their defense going into a playoff series or going against small ball, going against the Clippers and Suns? Yes, it is. But we've consistently through 54 games seen this team be able to cover for that. And in particular, have Rudy Gobert never be exposed defensively. But Gobert has never been exposed. There's not been... I mean, for at least for an extended, extended stretch right. of time, it hasn't been a problem to bring him out on switches. If anything, like, I know Rudy doesn't do it all that often, but sometimes I think Rudy is even, like, one-on-one isolation, top of the key against a guard. I might take him <laughs> over Jaden McDaniels. I really might. Yeah. Because I've seen 100 clips right. of it this season where it, when he's dialed in on it, maybe it's 50, um, he can defend in space too. So it's, it's, that's where my mind goes is trying right. to draw the argument of what teams could do uh, against this team. And, and, and here's where my mind goes. Yeah, my mind it. goes to the fact it's a 48 minute game. So you're not playing your bigs sooner or later. You're going to play your bigs. You're going to play your bigs against Nas, slow-mo and not. Sure. How's that going to work? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, tell me Nas just doesn't rub his hands together. If he's got a classic big on him, True. Tell me, slow mo doesn't enjoy the fact that you know he gets to guard. You know, slow mo told us that he likes to guard smaller guys. I will tell you, guys six nine, six ten that don't really have a great clue as to what they're doing in the paint. That right. guys who are usually would be the kind to get subbed out on the clips. You know, yeah. Um, slow mo can handle those guys, and then you know it just if you change your character to try to change the character of the Wolves, that's pretty much been Finch's project all year to make sure that that doesn't happen. And um, they are the number one seed in the Western Conference with the best defense in the Western Conference. And the Clippers, arguably, their crunch time lineup is very close to small ball now. And so how's that working out? You know, I mean, it it isn't. Yeah, no, I mean, and and it's not to say it couldn't work in the playoffs. It, of it course. might. They, they might, and they might beat the Wolves because hey. of it. But it doesn't, there's nothing to me that signals that that should be the assumption. Right. Well, and, and also, let's liken it to Denver and, and Minnesota. Sure. We always say that the Wolves match up really well with Denver because they can stick Cat on Jokic and have Rudy Lurk on Gordon. Um, And that's true. But would you say that they'd be favorites in a series against Denver? I myself would say no. I mean, I've seen Jamal Murray in the playoffs before. And And uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, so, you know, uh, their bench is certainly a concern. Um, But again, the Wolves could beat Denver a couple times. You know, they have once. Uh, they've got three to go, most of them right down the crunch time of the season. But at the end of the day, just like it's theoretically true that the Clippers have personnel that would give the Wolves problems, the Wolves have personnel that would give Denver problems, it's not going to make Denver do anything different. It's just that can Denver, with what they have, not worry about that enough to lose. And that's the way I feel about the Wolves and the Clippers right now. Now, 
does Paul, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are hitting their shots, neither one of which happened in either one of their meetings, then of course it's a different game. Um, but but, you but can it, only it go is, by what you have, you know. It is proven to be a strength of this team, isolation defense. Playing, I mean, that's not just the Clippers. That's the, the Celtics games too. They are better against high-powered isolation teams than they are against, you know, other teams that... They have a full handful of great on-ball defenders. Mm -hmm. They can't put all five on the court at the same time, but you have five guys who can really defend the hell out of the ball one-on-one. Ant, Jaden, Naw, Slow-Mo, Gobert... That, that, I'd almost throw Nas in there, you know. I yeah. mean, there, there are there are a lot of great on-ball defenders on this team, and, and, and that's Mike why, Conley, you know, Mike Conley's not true ever on ball. True. Um, that that's why, like the, I mean, you're not going to feel good about a Clippers or Suns matchup going into it, just given the star talent and the level you can assume that those players can rise to there. But just in style of play. That is an isolation team that you have the full handful of players that you can put against them. It, it, um, I don't know. I need to take more time to like think about this and go through it. But I would almost say like I, I think the Kings would would be a a bigger issue in their style of play. At least they don't have the star power, so I don't want to equate it totally. But when I think about exposing the Wolves in any sort of way defensively, it's making them chase. Right. It, it, it's it's the off ball. It's using your speed off ball to be able to do it because the Wolves can kind of like square you up in isolation and guard your speed. Obviously, the fastest of players. Yeah, they're going to burn them sometimes there, too. But it's the I, I want to see them play another team like that. Right. That that really is, is trying to spread you out with off ball movement, pin down screens, having cat and, and navigate that sort of stuff that actually is more concerning to me than playing a Clippers or Suns because, because it's isolation there. I, the Pelicans are kind of weird. Cause I just, it, it's, they're the it's team a, I fear the most. Yeah. But the Wolves it, do not have everybody. I, I, I just mentioned those five full handful of great on ball defenders. None of them stop Zion. What I about, mean, what about the, the Bucks game though? Because the best Zion comparison matching up wise is, is Giannis. And they did a very good job against Giannis last week. And it's very different though, because okay. Zion very rarely takes the ball from the top of the key and goes down. You know, a lot of the time less, less rarely is, than Giannis for sure. But yeah, I wouldn't say. I mean, and also I, I actually think that uh you know, flat out gotta say the truth. Uh, Willie Green is a better coach than anybody the Bucks have had in the last five years that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, 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 seriously. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, they and well, that's the thing is Giannis shouldn't have only had you know seventeen points in the, that game, and some of that is just just coach. But some of it also brilliant job. I mean, Mike and yeah. talked about the wall. You know, the old Stan Van Gundy build an effing wall, and uh, you know, uh, and right. it. It works against Giannis better than it does against Zion because uh, Zion, I feel like he is able to, his touch, I mean, Giannis still doesn't have finesse around the rim. 
what what Zion has developed, at least in the last, I mean, I see the Pelicans on and off, but a lot of my impressions are the last two games that the Wolves have played where Zion has played. There's a lot of flick stuff. There's a lot of. He's got really good touch. It is very difficult. And when he gets fouled, he's pretty impervious, as is Giannis. But Giannis just doesn't, isn't as accurate in terms of being a finesse shooter. And I think yeah. that, that hurts. I think I think with New Orleans, why I, I I mean I've been talking about this. That's the weakness, right? That's the one-on-one matchup as a four that can really score. And they got um, JV, they got Ingram. The Wolves are susceptible to great mid-range shooters. Uh, yeah, yeah. I and 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 see, so you, you can you can make the case there. I just th- that has been a team that I've caught a lot of um, on, on league pass this season, in part just because they played the Wolves a bunch and I tried to watch right. games around there. Um, they are really inconsistent. Well, that's the thing. They get that, that's blown out all the time, and they blow people out all the time. It's a weird team that way. If they're not clicking, if they're, you know, they're like, you know, trying to crack a safe. If you don't get the exact combination right down there, the door doesn't open for them. <laughs> but at the same time, when they have all the tumblers going, man, they right. are a really, really good team. Well, and and the other side of it is, what are the Wolves if not a consistent team? Right. right. We just went through it like right. consistent right. in some areas that they need to get better at. But right. again, for every single one of those two week periods this season, every two week period, they've been a yep. top 10 defense. Yep. And until this most recent one, every every two week period, they've been around 15th offensively. Um, the wolf, the wolves are a consistent team. And and to that end, when I start thinking about the l- somewhat lesser talented teams, the <laughs> the talent below the Denver's the Clippers and and the Suns, I, it's going to be hard for me to, to pick a Kings or a Pelicans just because I think they're a tricky matchup um, because they haven't been a, they haven't been consistent teams right? and they aren't, they can't match the talent. The Wolves are going to go into that series as, as, as the more talented team there. So I don't know. But but they're also going to go into that series as a question mark. Mm-hmm. And they're going to go into that series um, having, if they lose, if they drop one of the first two games, assuming they'd have home court advantage, there's a lot of poise questions that immediately come into play. Right. And let's say, you know, this, I'm just spitballing here, but let's say the Pelicans uh, go down to their place and route them, have one of those great games in game three. Well, boom, they're down two to one. And there's another game in New Orleans and the Pelicans are hot and cold, but they've had three games of of going right now. They've beaten them twice. You got guys like Zion and McCullough and Ingram and JV battling against uh, Rudy. Um, you know, and you got guys like Herb Jones that can lock people up. It's just, it's, you know, Alvarado being a pest. I mean, he was great in that series against Chris Paul and Phoenix that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that if if the Wolves – one of the things that's going to happen, unless the Wolves sweep the first round, is they're going to have a, a mental uh, check, a, a, a maturity check. They're going to be in a game they pretty much have to win to keep the series swinging in their favor. Right. And um, that's going to be, you know, uh, that, that Finch was asked the other night if a game like the Clippers mimics the playoffs. 
And he said, nothing mimics the playoffs. And that's, <laughs> that is exactly yeah. right. And so what we're going to find out is whether or not this team, if it is in a dogfight series, they're built for a dogfight. They've got a lot of talent. They've got great ability on both sides of the ball. They've played together well. But they've choked a half a dozen times this season. And remarkably, they have been resilient. But uh, the time, the recovery time in the playoffs and the stakes of the choking, both of those things, one condenses the recovery time and uh, and the choking stakes are go up. So one goes down, one goes up. So that's a tough situation. And that's what, that's why I'm saying to people, deal with the playoffs when the playoffs come. Right, right. now, <laughs> this is fun, you yes, know? Yes, and, yes. and you'll have time to worry. It'll be... The playoffs are supposed to be, you know, we just got through saying if they're playing the great teams, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a blast. The playoffs totally. will be a blast one way or the other, you know, and it's about sustaining this right now through teams exactly. against the, the exactly. Blazers. And you're going to play other crappy or middling teams over the course of time. And it's like, yeah. And the final, what is it going to be? 27 games after the all-star break. Yep. Can you avoid a fourth quarter collapse. Think about how much that would do to just not have, or, or maybe only have one of those, right? You know, and and just it's whittling it this down, whittling this down into being playing to who you are. Not every single game. That's an unreasonable right. expectation, but increasing the frequency where you can be who uh, be who you say you are, be who you can be. Right? They right. they they clearly we know it's fifty plus games. We. We know who this this Wolves team can be. As always, it's about how how consistent can they be doing that. Let me grab another uh, ad break here, and let's do one more segment just kind of on recent developments over the past few weeks. Today's show is brought to you by Dewar, D-U-E-R, and I've been telling you how much I love my Dewar jeans. I packed both of my pairs for this trip. Kyle and I went to dinner on Monday before the game, I wore my Dewar jeans. Perfect for that. Clean, real jeans with the right amount of sort of stretch to them. But my favorite pair from Dewar is the no sweat pants. I have those in a dark black. Super easy to wear with anything. Formal enough to pull off a nice shirt or jacket. Comfortable enough to wear with a hoodie. I've worn them to games uh, a handful of times. Dewar makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for men and women with an elevated style that does stand apart. Plus, Dewar is committed to using 85% plant-based materials for natural softness. Trust me, you want Dewar in your wardrobe. I love them. Uh, order your new favorite jeans today. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Moore. Don't wait. To get 15% off now, go to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp and relationships with our family, friends, and significant others can be hard work. It's a common misconception, right? That relationships are supposed to be easy. It's not like when we were kids, we just hung out like by default with our siblings and our friends playing video games, shooting hoops, whatever. They're not easy like that anymore. Our relationships take work, and therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in any of your relationships. Therapy can teach us coping skills and how to set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. It really isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient for you 
with flexibility that meets your schedule, and it's entirely online. To get matched with a licensed therapist through BetterHelp, you just need to fill out a brief questionnaire, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if you need. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for it or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Jane Moore to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Jane Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we are back with Britt Robson. Britt, um, two Monte Morris games. I mean, th- there's not a ton to to dig into in his game from from these two, and he's just he just is sort of one of those guys that part of his allure is how he blends in effectively. Right. Um, so I, I'm less. I mean, and I want to get some of your thoughts on on what he's looked like, but what I like about it is it feels like this team now knows and has their playoff rotation mm-hmm. and we know who the starting five is and Nikhil Alexander Walker has a pretty clear role. Nas Reed has a, has a clear role. Monte Morris has a clear role. And I think we were talking about Kyle Anderson a little bit earlier too. And Finch alluded to this after the game. It's big that the trade deadline has passed for Kyle Anderson. Right. Um, and, and again, what's happened in the, the, the two games since the, since the trade deadline, Kyle Anderson has looked a little bit more like the version of Kyle Anderson that Chris Finch fell in love with uh, a year ago, you know, and, and even that role seems pretty solid. So we kind of know, we kind of know what this group is. If they do add Marcus Morris or somebody in the buyout market, that player is going to be sort of in the Troy Brown Jr. Shake Milton role on the outside of the rotation looking in. How do you just, 
feel about this group kind of coalescing into who it is that they are going to be when when the playoffs come? Because it seems pretty clear that this is the nine. Well, first, I give a lot of credit to Chris Fitch because and this just came to me as you were talking about the four guys who are going to be coming off the bench. Who are the four players on this roster, practically, with the possible exception of Rudy, that he praises? You know, I mean, his praise of Na, his praise of Nas, his praise of Slomo, and his praise of Monte Morris in the little time he's been here has been unstinting and like, don't mess with me. Don't give me negativity right. about this. That is yeah, not he wasn't having. He hasn't been having it with the Kyle Anderson questions. For no, me. never had, had to ask, and we're fair to ask. Yeah, I wrote a column on the whole yeah. idea, saying he's yeah. got to wake up to the idea that offensively Kyle isn't what he was. Yeah. and I still think that's true. But that doesn't mean I think he's a, a net disadvantage guy. I just think you have to use him wisely with different personnel that complement him. I mean, he can't. How about some out shooters? There. Yeah, how, exactly. about, how about some shooters around the guy who can't shoot? Exactly. Wasn't that crazy in the Clippers game? I this this jumped off the screen to me in the second quarter when Monte Morris checked in for the first time. That group was playing just you could watch them. They were not looking for kickouts at all. And there happened to actually be shooters on the floor because they have gotten so used to playing in that second unit with right. just no right. shooting whatsoever and Monte Morris is just like chilling there in the corner like I'm open you know uh and, and Nas is like no what I do with this unit is I put my head down and I get to the rim because if I pass everything doesn't work you know it, right, it actually right. passing to the perimeter with that group the Kyle Anderson groups actually would kill the would kill the spacing of it because Kyle would catch it in the corner and we'd dribble in and it'd be now all of a sudden absolutely so he, he would he was a rhythm ruiner and yeah, totally. uh and a lot of that was because he's a very smart guy that calculated his odds of hitting one of those threes and that was very low and so he thought I have better odds of collapsing the clock and trying to make something happen via a foul or an assist yeah. and um that's not efficient offense definition and and the and the Net ratings, the offensive rating shows. I mean, they, they're nine points worse. They're probably a lot better now because he's had a couple of really good games. He was plus 29 last night. Wow. Um, and so, yes, the idea that you you replace clanking Shake Milton, who didn't ever really look like he ever wanted to take a three, with Monte Morris, who's a career 39% three-point shooter, and a guy who can – playmake without being on the bounce. I mean, didn't look like Shake really knew how to how to dole in a proper assist unless he was bringing people to him, which in a ball movement <laughs> offense is not ideal. So, and then Troy Brown Jr., I mean, I understood the infatuation of Troy Brown Jr., and he did have two really good weeks, kind of reminiscent of Austin Rivers. Uh, I like you know, a guy who like, whoa, hey, this guy's really going to help. And he did for a while. But defensively, um, he just, for whatever reason, I mean, I'm not sophisticated enough in figuring out defensive schemes to know why he was such a black hole on defense. But he was for a lot of the time he was in there, the last half dozen games he played of any substantial minutes, which is why he got benched. Yeah. I but guess it's kind of beside the point now, but I, I think that group was just it, 
it didn't make sense and they could feel that they didn't make and sense. how did how did yeah. finch how did finch uh characterize it he said all three guys have things we need yeah what he didn't say by that very thing but what he obviously left out is none of those guys <laughs> can give us everything we need yes mm -hmm. you know yeah. and so we are going to pick the one thing they do well and surround them with people who do what they can't do Right. And and Monte Morris checks more than one box. Right. And so I think that's why it was a good trade. Uh, and it obviously gives Slomo another guy who could shoot on the floor. I still think it, it is better. It's interesting to me that Finch wants to go back to that Rudy Slomo combo that worked so well last year. And yeah, that was uh, that was tough in the second quarter. Yeah, that was uh, tough. And, and occasionally, night. I mean, he did make it work occasionally later on in his second rotation. But the other thing that's interesting to me is that what I noticed about Monte Morris is he's right now in the Rudy Gobert learning workshop. I mean, yeah. he had a couple of shots last night that I swear were lobs that he, he really <laughs> thought, you know, I think if I throw it up there, this is what he wants. And Rudy has not had enough reps. You know, Rudy never assumes that a guy is going to throw him the ball unless he's played with him for like 10 games yeah. or is demanding the ball, in which case everybody immediately is around him and you don't want to throw it to him. Mm -hmm. But I think there are, there's going to be some growing pains there that are possible. You know, they, they could be good growing pains. Inevitably, you want Rudy to play about six or seven more minutes than Mike Conley plays just for wear and tear. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to have to get some time out there with Rudy. And he can be. He's a good lobber. You know, he's done it in Denver. Uh, but but I think it's important for people to realize that Monte Morris is not like a bucket. Like that's no, that's, no, exactly. And, and, and that's what I. But he knows like, that, too. He's not. He does. A, he's not <laughs> But it didn't seem like Finch did last night, you know, in, in uh, that, right, you know, right. play, playing that group. And part of it, you know, Carl picks up three fouls in the, the first quarter, so he can't play in the second quarter at all. It kind of it, it, it. I don't know if Finch was trying to get to that lineup or not, but when it was Gobert, Anderson, McDaniels, Nah, and Monte Morris, like you're, that that group is not going to have the the offensive punch. And, yeah, you you hope that Morris can, I don't know, maybe be – one of, if not your main offensive guy in that group, that's just not who he is. Just like that's still not really what like Jaden McDaniels is yet. You're not well, putting seven Jayden last night. Plus, he has yeah. that. Uh, you know, he had a bad finger apparently. That uh, yeah. You know, who knows what what Jaden had something up with him last night, and uh, I mean, he, remain, he just remains a real sphinx to me. You know, I mean, I have no idea what he's up to. I, I don't me. know. I mean, I'm not too heated on his game yesterday against the Blazers just because given what he did right. 24 I know. Hours he's had before. a great he's had a great two weeks being the last mm -hmm. two weeks you know he's not in foul trouble except for that I yeah. can't remember which game it was where he got like four fouls in six minutes of the fourth quarter yeah uh, but uh, and, and what a gift to have Nikhil Alexander Walker to plug in and close the game with when Jaden clearly doesn't <laughs> Nikhil, man. I mean, Give me some everybody right now is in love with Nikhil Alexander Walker <laughs> because he is one of those guys that every really good team has. And every actually, you pick a sport. You know, the guy who's like uh, 
third tier on your team, a guy who you like as being a plucky guy that will give you something every now and then. And all of a sudden you're watching the games over a period of time. And this guy just keeps coming up with really important plays in a variety of ways, keeps finding himself in the situation, the need to make big plays, whether it's, you know, like in baseball, a guy up with a guy on second and two out, and he gets a hit to right or something. Sure. I mean, or whatever, you know, uh, backup wide receiver with eight catches and 100 yards. You know, these guys who are not integral to the absolute core of who you are, but can, if they put their oar in the water at the right time, make a huge difference. And that is not this year. And it's, it's, Everybody who watches the Wolves on a long-time basis, it's kind of funny. This is what Jaden was previous seasons. Anybody who watched the Wolves, yeah. there'd be a lot of people go, Jaden McDaniels, eh. well, now, you know, like the casuals would say, wow, Jaden McDaniels, you know, really great, great, you know, because they've heard the reputation, they've seen enough of it now. But the people who would say, hey, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is really doing stuff for them. That's when I know people are watching the Wolves. Well, I, I that's funny you say that because when you started talking, I, what, what he, Nikhil reminds me of is, I mean, we, you and I have sat at hundreds of Wolves games next to each other and particularly in more of the lean years, some of our conversation <laughs> during those games would be about the 28 teams who weren't playing in the game that we were watching. Right. And, and one thing you and I have done is just kind of been like, hey, like, have you have you seen the Hornets recently? Like I I, I like this guy, you know. Right. I, I think I, I remember years back I was like this Lou Dort man. Like I really I really like this. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, we've de- both me and Britt have thrown out plenty of guys who were like, oh, you know, that we kind of like, and then they they, right. they fall away. But and I gave you shit for Laurie Markkinen for like three years when he was bad. <laughs> And then that was boom, like our first go. one. That was our first one. I kind of no, on was the first one. <laughs> yeah, see that one. Well, whatever. Uh, but like, I, I thought about this numerous times where uh, I was like, if I wasn't covering the Wolves and just watching League Pass and stumbling upon the Wolves and watching eight or ten of their games yeah. over the course of the year. It was Nikhil Alexander Walker is totally that guy that we'd be like, this dude, man, like put him in a starting lineup on like what, you know, it, it would be, it would totally uh, be, be that. And, and what a, yeah, man, what just an invaluable piece to, to have on the team. I me and Chris were, I think in the Chicago game, sitting next to each other. And I'm like, Nikhil is the sixth man on this team. Like I was, all right. I said that to him. I'm like, who, who, would, and who would you say is, is the sixth man? And he was like, it's Nikhil, which is not really a slight odd Nas. But right. I think if you ask a lot of people, smart people out there who watch a lot of the Wolves, but not every game, they go, oh, no, Nas Reed is like a sixth starter that this team has. And in many ways he is. But Nikhil is the sixth man in the way I def- define sixth man, because I think consistency is so important in that role from that player. And that's, yeah. That's what Nikhil, Nikhil's been nothing but uh, nothing if not consistent this year. I think also one of the main reasons is because Conley is so important to this team. And and the fact yeah. that you're coming into the game and, and replacing somebody like that is, is crucial. What I will want to say as somebody who was a Nas Reed skeptic, to put it mildly, for many years, <laughs> is that Nas Reed's defense this year 
is not just good for Nas Reed's standard. Nas Reed's defense, especially, I mean, Finch shouted it out. I don't know when it was, either a couple of games ago or last night. He, he did last night, too. Oh, was it last night? Okay, that's what I, it was. But I think he actually did it a couple of games ago as well. He is guarding perimeter players, uh, and he has all season. I mean, uh, when I totally. I threw out the idea that maybe Nas could – I, I threw it back to him, one of Finch's truisms, you are what you guard. I said, well, Nas is guarding uh, – Threes really well, isn't Nas a three? And he just basically almost spat in my face. You know? yeah. ah, come on, just why don't we just consider him a good power forward? Right, right, right. You know, right. You dolt, you know, don't give me that shit. I, but it, it is. but he is. He can be a bona fide three. I mean, well, you know, what was he bad at defensively previously, Brett? Like first three years of his falling career. down. He had absolutely. He was top heavy. And whenever anybody banged him, man, he was gone. He had no, he had no fiber. Uh, well, and, and and just no fiber at the rim too. And he's still, exactly. he's still not a high level rebounder. He's still not but like getting a, better. A stalwart at the. Yeah, no, no, right. no, getting better. But it's like right. that. That that's who he was. You were like, okay, like the again pre Gobert or whatever. Towns is off the floor. Nas comes in at center. The rim protection is going to get worse. Yeah, Nas could block some shots. He was right. like that type of rim protector, but he just was never good at being a defensive guy. He is five. not. He is not a great on-ball defender against heavy-duty guys, no. and that's still somewhat true. And as a result, you know his uh, slim, fast conditioning program. Dude, he's fast basically. Shit. You know, I mean, he's he so is fast. really, really good, and he's so that's why he stays with guys that. And what's what's also it's kind of. It's deceptive, you know? I mean, it's like so much of defense is being quick enough to be a threat without being on the ball, that guy. Sure. I mean, Rudy does it because they're all coming toward the rim. Nas does it because somebody next to him is, is in danger of being broken down off the dribble, and Nas can whip himself over and at least be a threat and have that guy have to change his equation on the fly. Nas does that a lot. And then when Nas does get switched out on the perimeter, you don't have to kick him out right away. He can invert, you know, I mean, yeah. it can be uh, a situation. He's frankly better at it than Cat, you know, in terms of just being yeah, somebody who is. Up for debate. I yeah. mean, because Cat is actually better at the like. At the rim the stuff. Yeah, the, the four-man rim protection right. stuff, the right. rotation, be a body. The classic four, Cat is much better as a classic four. Yes. Nas yes. is better as a combo forward, of all things. That sounds weird, I know, because he was a center. I, I, actually four don't, years, but. I actually don't think it's weird. I think yeah. if he came in as a draft prospect like and look, and his body type was like this and you watched him play in college and, and he looked like this, you would say that's a combo forward yeah. who's tall. You know, it was yeah, six ten right. or whatever, but we came in and he weighed fifty pounds more than he does now. When when right. he came in and he was slow and he was, you know, posting up a lot. Like it is, I I I don't know. I don't think he ever plays center for this team because even when Cat right. and Gobert are off the floor, you know, I said I think Kyle Anderson is the the five in in those situations functionally. So yeah, I mean, we we've talked about that before too. But Nas is Nas's defense and just being able to kind of. It's a big part of the reason why the defense hasn't dropped off a ton 
this year when Rudy has been off the floor is is competence of all of those guys. Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander Walker, uh, and and Nas Reed. Kind of just ripping through some some things quickly here, just random sure. little bits. We did Nas. Um, me, me and Kyle talked about this a little bit last night. Did you um, do you see like my my tweet or anything about the weird um, deciding to have the offense in front of the Wolves? Yeah, bench I thing? thought that was actually it wasn't weird. I thought it was. Uh, first of all, I love Finch basically saying that on the broadcast. I know you were at the game. They they went full force into it. They gave oh, Finch's okay. answer. Like I'm mm-hmm. just keeping Rudy happy, and anytime you keep Rudy happy, that's a good thing. Uh, but you got some really nice quotes out of yeah. Ant. Ant. <laughs> that so was great. <laughs> I mean, but it makes so much sense that Finch needs to be in their ear about the offense. He's nice. got. I mean, when Ant, you know, as usual, you know, putting things in a way that makes him seem childlike and a savant at the same time. <laughs> You know, basically says, "Hey, we listen to Rudy on defense anyway. We don't have to listen to the coach on the, defense." The direct and they're absolutely quote, right. The direct quote is because defensively we got fucking Rudy Gobert. <laughs> we don't need them talking to us on defense. He's doing all the talking, <laughs> and that's absolutely true. You know, uh, and so where has this team been dumb? Where has this team been inefficient? Where has this team not lived up to its? talent and potential it's Work on forward. offense second half and, offense. Yep. and and where has Finch been most criticized in unfairly often at times in my opinion is that he's not imposing his will upon people to do things a certain way well you know he does it's just that he wants to give them options on what to do within that you have reads you don't want to be so stilted you waste your talent and these guys continue to make bad reads and continue to blow up plays by wanting to go ISO. And maybe it's because now the second half, which is when they collapsed a lot during the time they weren't there, they're now in front of the bench. And Micah or Finch or, or you know, whoever, Strings, Pablo yeah. or whatever, can yeah. say, hey, you know, we, we need to do this. And so... Yeah, I, I I was I thought that was a great little insight to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I I, I did I initially because I was there for the you know the pregame when when right. kind of brushed it off when it was was brought up. So I was like, you know, okay, maybe this maybe this is just one of those things where you know a player's trying to do it for good juju and vibes or whatever. And I'm like, does does that actually really matter? And then you're know, talking to some of the players after the game. Like, and and then thinking about it more, like, wait, what is the thing that the Wolves are worst at? Fourth quarter execution. Let's do something to, you know, to to make that be better. And I think, like, we were talking about with the shot, in all seriousness, when we were talking about with the shot selection earlier, Rudy's been banging this drum for a month of, like, we need to shoot more threes. And he has this. This was his idea, too. This does right. not happen if Rudy Gobert has not been pleading with Finch uh, to do it for for a while, and it's just the most Rudy Gobert. Both of those things are just the most Rudy Gobert thing ever. Where it's like, I I can't help here. I can't help the team shoot more threes, and I can't help organize the fourth quarter offense because yeah. I am a zero out of ten at both of those things individually. <laughs> so he goes, "What can we do externally 
to, to make this be better. It's like, shoot the damn three, you know, and let's just take more of those. I can't and have a coach tell people what to do. Yes. Because I'm so tired of them not doing what the coaches told them oh. what to do in the hope. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I think Finch is, Finch, I think, has made his deal with himself, which is we're going to ride or die with defense. You know, I mean, as long as the offense isn't killing us, you know, we are going to ride and die with defense. And I want to make sure that they know that and that we play defense when it matters. But I think he miscalculated because uh, as Ant so, you know, succinctly put it, uh, they've got Rudy to tell them what to do on defense. And that part isn't going to go away. That's true. Um, anything else from the last two weeks you can, you can think of you want to touch on before we wrap it up or, or, or for, from that game? Um, no, I mean, not really. I, I think I am heartened by the idea that um, some unfocused question marks are coming into focus and are not seeming as onerous as I originally thought they were going to be. Um, the winning a game that they were ready to spit up in Portland last night was yet another way in which uh, I'm being reassured that this team is special, can be different. And I think that I, one of the interesting things that has happened is that both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are getting better. Mm. I like and, that. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? I mean, they were really good in their own ways. Rudy far more than Cat. Uh, you know, Cat has competition for being the third best player on this team. And uh, he is playing really well right now. And Rudy is already like defensive player of the year is suddenly, for whatever reason, even more of a factor, um, and and having yeah, he's, as, as you he's kind of getting into the MVP conversation. And to be clear, like the fringes yeah. of the MVP yeah, conversation, right. where well, like, he's never going to win yeah. it because he didn't no, of get course. nominated and, and he the All Star game. And yeah. I mean, let's face it, he's just culturally, and I'm not saying racially because there are white guys that capture the imagine. I mean, Luca captures the imagination of people, you know, but he's dorky. And that's just not culturally part of the NBA. NBA does not like dorks, you know? And so the fact I, I that think it's more, but it's, it's, it's the game. It's the, it's the, it's the offensive game that looks on. But also, I mean, and the, and the, the free throws that barely graze the rim. And also the idea that he's from France and has got like this kind of stiff, he, he, he's the old Euro prototype that was turned into a bad cliche that, you know, has been erased to some point, but all of Rudy's strengths are not what are considered to be cool about NBA hoops. Mm -hmm. No, sure. You know? And so as a result, he's going to be underrated in that way. And, you know, and, and as a result, what we're seeing now is that uh, and Rudy Gobert's on like a little quiet revenge tour here. 
you know, sure. and and uh, and more power to him, more, you know, as I mean? he should, as he should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it's uh, and and this is probably a bigger topic for another time to, to flesh it out more. But I, I think about this often of like how Rudy is this fascinating collision of the last 10 years of the NBA and the way in which efficiency has driven winning uh -huh. and uh, by hell or high water, you know, he makes you know, the opposition less efficient, less efficient. And, and, and the way he does it, even if not aesthetically pleasing is efficient in and of itself, as yeah. is James Harden or what, right. you know, right. Right. is another kind of like right. emblem of that from, from this past decade. And it's, uh, it's, it's just going to be a very interesting thing to look back on. And for both of them, actually for Rudy Gobert and James Harden, the, that idea and that recognition for what they do bring to winning is never going to resonate unless until they do it in the playoffs. That's right. just a, a truth of this. And, kind of for both of them right now they're on their last hurrah to be able to to do that and to be one of the best players on a championship team or a team that goes to to the NBA finals and Rudy Rudy's a little bit younger than 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 Harden is he he kind of knows it's it's maybe these next one two three years that will that will define that and he he from a legacy standpoint does need that definition uh but I, we, we talk about this a lot. My appreciation and how how my perception of him has changed is just so immense in this 18 months. And the only thing I could really attribute that to on a broad basis is your appreciation for Rudy Gobert exponentially grows the more you watch him. And it's why, you know, you talk to Utah people like, <laughs> The previous, they were almost like annoyingly into Rudy Gobert, right? right. And now I'm kind of like, I get it because you're also fighting this fight of his perception for him in some ways. And yeah, to what, to what you said, he's on this little revenge tour of being like, no, this is actually real. I, for the first, I can drive a team to being an elite defensive team and a Western Conference playoff team, but I do need some help to be able to really be a contender and the type of help he needs more than anything is perimeter defenders and high level offensive scores. And he has a roster. I think he realizes he's like, I got a roster that can, can do the things that I, I can't do or give me the help that I, I need. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see that come together for him. Uh, Cause I think he is a good professional dude, consistent night tonight. Um, yeah. It's, it's been fun to watch that. Should we wrap it there? Sure. It's a good way to go. Yeah, it is. Um, next up uh, for us on, on the pod, Kyle and I are going to do a show after the game on on Thursday after after the Portland game again. That'll be that one will just kind of be a, a game recap and, and send us off into the break. Um, over the all-star break, I'm gonna they've tried, you know, take those those days off as much as possible. We might drop one uh, in the middle of the week there, but after the episode with Kyle on Thursday night, that'll come out on, on Friday morning, there will be no episodes over the, over the weekend or into the beginning of the week. And it could be just 
maybe there'll be one on Tuesday or Wednesday, but I think the next episode might be Britt and I um, at Falling Knife on, on February 22nd. So uh, come to that. We'll have had a, a little break from the Wolves and uh, we'll get back to, to talking Wolves then. Yeah, until then, he's Britt Robson. Following him on Twitter at Britt Robson. He's going to have a, a column that does come out over All-Star break. And I know you're working on a little bit bigger of a story too that we'll talk about when that comes. But uh, yep, you can follow everything Britt does on Twitter at Britt Robson and read him at minpost.com until uh, after the game on Thursday with Kyle. He's Britt. I'm Dane. He's how I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing But you know better, and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com